Welcome to Confident Care Academy, where we do conversations about the human part of being a nurse. My name is Anna. I am a travel ICU nurse and first year RRNA. And I'm Chrissy. I'm a nurse anesthetist. And yeah, that's about it. I've been a nurse anesthetist for five years and a nurse for nine. Heck yeah. And, you know, clinical site coordinator, content creator, educator extraordinaire, you know, all, all these titles. So today we're talking about provider communication for new ICU nurses. <laughs> I'm excited about this one and I wish that I had had a podcast to listen to when I was a new grad about this because this was one of the most intimidating things to me as a new grad. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, like having to call the doctor, especially if it's one that you don't know like if it's a hospitalist or you know like a, a float person yeah. it's scary or just someone who you know can be mean yep. it's scary to call the doctor did you do simulations in nursing school about like you have this patient you need to call no okay yeah so we did some of this in nursing school in our sim lab it was like okay you have a patient they need like antibiotics and they're like septic or whatever but the thing is, is like the nursing school simulation just is never going to touch on all of the factors that are happening mm. for a real critical care patient in the ICU or yeah. ER. It'll be, a, yeah, they'll yeah, never simulate all the yeah. junk going on. It's just more details that is involved there than would be in your simulation. So you're taking in this massive volume of information and then you were supposed to say, spit it all out and like, 10 seconds to somebody who scares you so it's like a lot as a new nurse and you're like 22 and sometimes calling somebody who's like 70 like doesn't want to be bothered so yeah, it's like they're intimidating I feel, like people, the culture, you know? I feel like the culture is getting better it's definitely getting better especially yeah. with the younger generation of like doctors apps yeah. like everybody's like a lot more on the same page like a lot more like team, team oriented like yeah. seeing each other as like same team different roles versus hierarchy but the hierarchy culture still exists. It still trickles down, especially if you're not at an institution that's constantly bringing in new younger people, like a yeah. non-academic environment, you're going to have a lot more of that old school hierarchy mentality left over for a really long time. And you know, it's a, it's definitely a real thing. Like we're not going to shy away from that. Yeah. But then we'll just, which we're not condoning. It's not right, but we're not condoning. We're but, preparing you, but you're going to encounter it. So <laughs> like how are some, what are some ways that you can like get into it? So, Starting from like the very beginning, let's say that it's your first month, you're in the ICU, you're a new grad, and you are you need to call the provider like for the first time. What are some tips to kind of like get ready to have that conversation? I remember getting so nervous because I'd so ask nervous. tough questions I'd be like, ah, ah, like I'd freeze. But I think the first thing you can do is real quick, just like review the facts about your patient. So like have your report sheet down from the morning with you and like, yeah. and like bullet point any updates that are going to be, the, and like new changes that are gonna be important to tell the provider. Cause the provider might go, oh wait, which patient is this? And you might have to say, you might have to start back from square one, right? Yeah. So write down what you're gonna say, do a quick review for yourself of like any pertinent, important information mm -hmm. that might come up. Like what are their most recent relevant vitals. labs, vital signs, like what's the need? And really we're gonna go back to basics. Again, you guys are gonna hate me like last episode, I brought up the NCLEX. This episode, we're gonna do it. SBAR, it's a real thing. I used to be like, what is SBAR? It's real. SBAR is fine. I'm not pro care plan, but that's But SBAR has nothing to do with the care plan. No, I'm saying, you're saying, oh, people are gonna be mad. I'm like, I think the NCLEX is relevant and I think SBAR is relevant. Yeah, SBAR is relevant. I don't care plans are not relevant. I don't think a 20 page care plan is relevant. So that's my only. There is, I wish that we did care plans differently because it could a care plan could be a good thing, but just not the way nursing schools tend to do them. But I like the idea behind it. Just not I think, I think the execution is just bad. Right, but so as far, as far, yeah, back to, back to as far. So like, let's say 
We'll, we'll talk about your basic provider communication first, and then we'll get into emergencies later. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let's say like your patient, like they need, you think they need a diuretic or like a stool softener or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So um, very electrolytes repleted, not know. emergent situation. I think that it's good to have the SBAR format of like, hey, this is patient Jones from the, he's admitted for bowel obstruction, hasn't had a bowel movement in four days. He went down for his scope and I was just gonna follow up about bowel prep. Like have that kind of story of what are we gonna do? Like who is the guy? What does he need? What are we gonna do about it? Yeah, so like, situation, what's the situation? Brief, 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 yeah. brief one sentence summary of who the person is, just to refresh our memory. Because again, if you're like, let's say you're not in critical care, let's say you're like on a med floor. The hospitals could have 25 or more patients, right? Yeah, they right? don't remember who the patient is. They don't remember who the patient is. You know, again, even if it is like a critical care and I shift off, like things things definitely like mix together, right? For all of us. So, right. hey, Mrs. Jones in room 53, you know, she's here for XYZ. That's the situation. Mm -hmm. What's the background? Oh, she's going down for her scope tomorrow. Yeah. I know that she needs a bowel prep. It hasn't been ordered. Side note, she's having trouble keeping like fluids down. Mm -hmm. Like she might have problems with the bowel to prep. So that's assessment, right? So we've gotten into situation who she is back. Like, you know, Mrs. Jones with the bowel obstruction background is like, oh, by the way, she's going for the test tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Assessment, you know, she might have trouble tolerating it. Like, you know, what can we do about it? Like recommendation, like, do you think instead of doing the traditional go lightly we can order some dulcolax so she's just taking some pills instead yeah. of doing like the full liquid prep i don't think she's going to tolerate it and be able to get scoped yeah so well did they do that for past i don't know we're making up a probably not a totally clinically accurate scenario but that's okay Percy <laughs> hasn't done, had to do a bowel prep in so long she forgot how it is i see how it <laughs> actually no, i talk I, about bowel preps all day every day because i do so much gi i actually know all the bowel actually, prep regimens like so well you actually know more about it than i do you haven't had okay. to be on the cleanup side in a long time. No, I have not been on the cleanup side. Well, in the, actually, in the GI suite, you end up cleaning. There are some liquid rivers, and usually the nurses like are pretty on it. But like sometimes it's a, if it's an inpatient, it's usually a three-person job, and I'm usually the third person. So I jump in there. I still get my hands dirty. So. I, I stand correct. Once a nurse, always a nurse. Chrissy's always a nurse. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Especially if it's like a new grad OR nurse, and they're like overwhelmed. I'm like, come on, girl, we're going in. <laughs> We're gonna make we're gonna dive in, we're dive in. <laughs> i love that no so i think one thing for me that was really helpful was practicing what i was gonna say when i was very new and i was super nervous about it communicate without your preceptor you're like hi preceptor can I practice what I'm going to say with it? Oh, I love that. Practice with a safe person. That's yeah. such a good tip. So say that like with your preceptor, let's say your patient's not acutely decompensating and you have to make a phone call because they need like labs or pain meds or something like you need to have a conversation with a provider, but the patient's not going to die in the next 15 seconds if you don't have that conversation. Yeah. Practice with your preceptor. Say, hey, I was going to call them. I'm a little bit nervous. Can I practice with you? Run it That's down. so good. And then they'll give you some feedback. And then a lot of times your preceptor knows that provider too. Right. So, right. And then they can give you any additional context that you need. One thing that yeah. my preceptor urged me to do, and I was very fortunate as a new grad that we had a lot of access to APPs and to surgeons. So the model for providers in my ICU was we had one intensivist who was either a surgeon or an anesthesiologist. And then you had two APPs covering the 18 bed ICU. And then there was an on-call fellow. So okay. you would call, you would talk with the APP who was either a PA or a nurse practitioner about most of your medication order needs. If there was something like your patient needed to get intubated, the intensivist would take care of it. And then if they needed to go back to the OR to get a washout, then the fellow would come in. 
in. And oh, that's, so, that's pretty typical, I'd say, for yeah. a surgical unit. Yeah. So we had a couple of different resources. Our unit was not one that rotated residents in and out. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. interesting. So, but then the other ICUs did. So if I floated okay. somewhere else, then we would have a resident, like PGY1, 2, 3, whatever. So mm -hmm. your communication does like change a little bit depending yeah, based on, on who you're talking to. Who you're talking to. But something my my preceptor did was he had been there like long time. And he was like, I want for you to go practice talking with them face to face. He was like, anytime that you can just walk down four doors and then ask them about it. And then yeah. that kind of helped me to get over my like fear of them with that status and yada 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 yada. I realize they're a person, right? It's a human. Yeah. I talk to humans. I've, I've done that before. I would like take my 12 lead EKG that was abnormal and like grip it with both hands and I had to go get like the nurse practitioner to look at it and I was like so, so nervous. I was like, I'm sorry. It's like, here you go. I was like, <laughs> I'd be like, hi, it's not an emergency for patient Smith. This is their EKG. And they'd be like, thanks. And I'd be like, <laughs> actually, by the way, I love that you said like not an emergency because sometimes like people like need to know how to prioritize the situation. And so saying like, if it's urgent or not urgent helps can them. just help take down their anxiety so that when they're listening to you, like they're not like cutting you off or like jumping in like, Hey, by the way, not an emergency. Mrs. Smith in 54, she had a couple runs of like, you know, VTAC, some VTAC, whatever. but like she maintained your pressures the whole time Just she's okay you, know. you know i i already sent off a labs. labs and the potassium's a little low would you be able to order 20k for me the k is you know what you three want. five you know yeah. like something like sorry situation mrs smith like just had some VTAC, like background like oh she's like post-op day two and like you know assessment i did this is the labs like i you know whatever and then yeah. recommendation we need 20k so I did that often with those face-to-face -face interactions just because like there are a ton of really sick patients there. Yeah. And sometimes if you're a provider and you're watching a new grad stumble over their words, what are you wondering as a provider? Is the patient stable for us to be having yeah. this conversation? Stable or unstable. While you're like stumbling over your words or not. So if as a new grad, the first thing you say for something that's non-urgent, you can be like, hi, just checking in, non-urgent for Smith, blah, yeah. blah, 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 Hi, blah, just blah, checking blah. in, non-urgent. Or conversely, if it is urgent, like, hey, um, you know, I, I, I'm really concerned about Mrs. Smith, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The other thing too is like, you know, sometimes you're not gonna be able to have those in-person conversations if you have an yeah. off-service team, especially, like, or if it's one intensive is covering the whole ICU because like academic medical be centers oftentimes have more provider right. resources yeah. versus your smaller community hospitals where you have one intensivist who's covering 20-something patients. Like, right. they're not gonna be able to, like, like just you can't just go over and walk to them all the time because they're going to be in a procedure or they're going to be doing something yada 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 so. yeah or like calling a surgeon at home like about a surgical blade like you might have to wake up the cardiac surgeon in the, right. in the middle of the night to let them know that the patient's coming back or the fellow might have to but you know it might require a call to wake someone up and again off-service patients happen all the time like you know you might get a neuro patient floated to your unit neuro is not in cardiac neuro is not walking around like you gotta call them so you gotta call them you know that's like it's it's good to practice both, but practice having stuff written down. And even if you're gonna have that conversation in person, it's okay to have like tiny little bullet points on your report sheet, like Mrs. Jones, and then just have a little tiny short bullet points so like you don't get lost. And I did that you as can a take a deep breath. I had my report sheet and I would bring it. And to this day, I never know what my patient's name is. It's like a toxic trait of mine. I don't know what their name is. Toxic trait of mine? I don't know your name. <laughs> I know all about you. I know your past medical history and what your labs are. Don't know your name. It's like bad. They'll be like, oh, what's the name? And then I'll be like, oh, at room 54. That doesn't mean anything to the providers. Like they don't catch by like rooms they know their name so really that's interesting everywhere I've worked they like never know what the room number is they always want to know like the name so I have to write that down mm -hmm. I have to I like I to have my little that. paper I was always a name person and not a room number person and a lot of people I would have the opposite problem with they'd be like oh you mean bed 54 and I'd be like sure 
I mean, it's yeah. the one over there. Yeah. What, yeah. Was that 54? Oh, I thought it was 56. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm actually the, the exact That's opposite. So I never knew my patient's room number. That's so interesting. Yeah. Two different sides of the coin. I love that. Hmm. But yeah, having the notes on your report when you're calling, super helpful. The other thing, before you call, know what their vitals are. Because they're going to ask. Know the vitals, know the labs, if it's pertinent. And it usually is if you're calling Patients. about something that's kind of like urgent-ish. They want to know what their vitals are. And they also want to know about their urine output, usually. Like, if it's related to that. Yeah, it depends on the patient population and such, the situation. But, yeah. you know, it know the relevant info. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, that's always not, that's not always relevant. I'm just thinking about, like, low blood pressure like intervention type things. Yeah, so if you have a patient with low blood pressure, yeah. Yeah, so then happen. it's also anytime this, we're talking about provider communication here, but anytime you have a patient who's kind of unstable, tell your charge nurse. Yeah, loop them in early and yeah. just like give them the rundown. Again, SBAR style. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mrs. Jones, 54. I'm a little worried. Our blood pressure's low. We've been escalating pressures all night. We gave a couple fluid boluses. The APP knows, the fellow knows. But like, I, you know, just to keep an eye out just for assignments tomorrow or in case we need help later. Exactly. I just want you to be aware of what's going on. So situation, Mrs. Jones, like she's here for whatever. What Background is like, yo, her blood pressure's low. Fight of interventions, like assessment, right? It's like, oh, we're doing all these interventions and the blood pressure is still low recommendation like just keep an ear out i think that's like a great so thing to do for yeah and as a new grad that communication to your charge nurse slash resource nurse if you're lucky enough to have one mm, a luxury uh, i know it's california union california uh, i love that but that shows the charge nurse that you know how to bring in resources that you need because and that you're aware you have situational aware, awareness which is which key really key it is really as key. a new grad because the thing is is they need to know if that patient needs to be a one-to-one -one. they right. need to know if they need to send resources to help you if you're going to end up massive transfusing yeah. So you're not just like alone in a corner with a bleeding patient. And it it's important to communicate with your charge nurse in addition to your providers. Definitely. So this kind of gets into and like- senior nurses in your pod, by the and way. And senior nurses, yeah. Always can help you. Always ask for help, always have hands. So sometimes there's also like a very fundamental misunderstanding between providers and nurses about like why you're asking. So right. as a new grad, you're asking questions because you were not taught this in school and you want to understand. Mm -hmm. And providers are great resources for like further critical care knowledge, for like breaking it down, for pharmacology. Like talk to your pharmacist, like talk to people. Ooh, the pharmacists are great resources, especially oh, the critical care they pharmacists. They usually teaching too. So, They're like, clutch. Especially about like antibiotics and transplant stuff. Like, yeah, oh, they love that they're, shit. They're like so good. Yeah, they love it. So, Sometimes when you're asking a question as a nurse, it can be interpreted as like a challenge, like right? a challenge. Like I don't agree with you. Yeah. Like and and to just diffuse that as a new grad, something that's easy to do is just be like, "Hey, for my understanding, could you explain this a little bit more?" Yeah. Just to clarify so we're on the same page. This is what my, my understanding of, yeah. yeah, for my knowledge. This is what my understanding of the subject is. Um is for that correct? Learning, yeah, for my learning is good. So let's say this is an example I had as a new grad. I didn't understand why some patients it's got 5,000 units of heparin Q8 versus some got like 1,200 of units of heparin. 1,200 units of heparin Q8 or 10,000, whatever the next, my brain. Anyway, okay. some patients got a higher dose of heparin sub-Q and I was like, why? Okay. And then my preceptor was like, is it say in micrometics? So then I was like, not really. And he was like, okay, we'll ask the provider. And I'm like, like nervous. Like, ah. <laughs> so then two ways I could have phrased this. The first way is why is patient Jones getting this dose of heparin? That kind of sounds like I don't agree with the dose of heparin. Yeah, it sounds like a challenge. It sounds like I don't agree with that it's correct. Why are they getting 10,000 instead of 5,000? Yeah, versus what I said, because I talked it over my preceptor, 
is I went up to the provider who was kind of scared of at the time and I was like, for my knowledge, so for my learning for patient Jones, can you explain why some patients get this dose of heparin and some patients get that dose of heparin? It was weight-based. It's like, that yeah, was, that was, it was, it's that simple. It's not like a complicated answer, but I, there's two ways to phrase that. And one is kind of like comes off as like harsh and like disagreeing. And then right. the other one is like, could you teach me this? Which right. is like a better place to be in as a new grad. Definitely. And I think that most people do like being in a teaching role, even if they yeah. seem like they're nasty, like mean. crusty, mean people. A lot of people, they yeah. like feeling respected and valued. And like and when you're, when you're, yeah, when yeah. you're asking someone to teach you something, you, and like sometimes people are frustrated because they're busy and they don't have time. But if there's time, I think people like feeling like you're recognizing their expertise. It makes 100%. them feel valued. So. Yeah, 100%. It's and sometimes, sometimes the old crusty ones, like, oh, they love it deep down. They're they fake crusty. They love, they're fake. They're all Sour Patch kids. They're, so, they're salt. They're uh, sour on the outside mm. and sweet on the inside. Yeah. Hard coated candy shell M&Ms, every <laughs> single one of them. They're all cuddlers. You just got to break them. <laughs> The meanest people at my new grad best. job who They're were like so rude to me initially after a little bit I got into it and then I realized I'm like they're the hundred percent the type of person who would like send themselves or send their kid an hour and a half to make sure that I got my tire changed. Like he, like they would a hundred percent look out for me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. These people, they're like, like hard. They're like rough around the edges, but like again, like you're a learner, be a learner, and like ask for help and definitely like do do your job and like be thorough. But then every time you don't understand something because you're not gonna understand a lot of things as a new grad, ask for clarification. You're like, oh, just for clarification on that, could you tell me like why we choose this medication versus that one just so I can like learn? They like that because it also means that you like care and you're like doing a good job, you know? Yeah, definitely. You learn a lot. So also this is, you're gonna start, this is an aside. You're gonna start with new grads and you're gonna start a cohort. Some people- Hopefully, if you have a residency. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> You're going to see people, some people who like look things up and ask questions and some people who kind of take things at face value. Mm. And you're going to learn a lot more when you are using the resources around you and asking questions and looking things up versus just kind of taking it as it comes. Definitely. So back to the Google Doc that we always talk about. Have a Google Drive and yes. put a little doc in the drive with like a running list of your questions. Or mm -hmm. you could even just do a note on your iPhone, right? Like mm -hmm. in the notes section. Just things that come up over the shift, like why this dose of heparin versus that dose? Like yeah. why did we, like what is MV ring? Like, you know, like yeah. little stuff that like, it's like not necessarily life or death in that moment, but like you want to circle back to, and then you can look that stuff up later and then you'll, you'll pretty much always remember it. Cause it yeah. came from a patient application. It came from a question you have, you wrote it down, you looked up the answer. You're not going to really ever forget the answer to that question. Well, that kind of goes back to the like different modes of learning. Like you wrote it down, you asked it, you looked it up and then you acknowledged and like learned something from it. Yeah. Which is very different from just watching it in a YouTube lecture. Or right. Something. Right. Just like experiencing yeah. that, like one chunk of knowledge one yeah. time or hearing a simple answer one time that kind of like just doesn't stick in your brain because you didn't get the full context like yeah. always put your learning into context whenever you have the opportunity absolutely because it's all it's all applied knowledge with patients right so getting into kind of urgent or emergent situations yeah. a little bit so let's say that you're in a structure where you have providers who are in-house because you should in the ICU you should yeah yeah usually you should, ICUs you have someone yeah, you should have someone who is in-house and like fairly close and let's say that you are concerned about a patient they have a sudden change but it's not to the point where you're going to hit the call bell this is where 
where yeah, we, like a rapid AFib yeah. or like frequent ones of VTAC, or like they're not example. in a code, yeah. something like that. So let's say that they're new, like they were in sinus in the 60s and now they're in AFib in the 150s, but they're conscious. But this is a new Conscious, change. but like pressure soft, right? Yeah, like lower blood pressure. Like, you know, 70s over 50s, still mentating, like not, not ready for the code bell yet, yeah. but like this is urgent. But urgent. So this is where you call your provider because do you really want to leave that patient? Like, no, if you can, if you can stay. Yeah, you're not going to walk down the hall. You're not going to like walk to the other end of the unit with your patient who's newly unstable. This is where you should make a phone call and you should be pretty quick, pretty concise. direct and concise. Concise. You and this is as far at its finest. So a good example would be like, hi, this is Anna. I'm with Smith in room 12. They would have been sinus and normotensive and just switched into rapid AFib RVR. They're mentating. These are their vital signs. Okay, and you come back. Would you like patient. to come see the patient or would you like me to? As or would you like an amnio load or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's We're okay. sending off labs. It's okay to like say, to like ask for direction at that point. You yeah. say like, hey, this is the patient. These are their vitals. This is what their mentation status is. What would you like me to do? Yeah, what would you like me to do first? They, could, might, they might be like, if they know you and they know that the patient's not dead, they might just be like, okay, give the amio and then check back with me. And then right. you give the Or next, they might say like, oh, check labs and like their magnesium. Sure, yeah, what's their magnesium and potassium? Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are things that like are obviously going to vary from unit to unit. And that comes with a little bit of time and knowledge and expertise. Like, yeah, how emergent is your emergency? And, and some of that just, you might not know, but let's, yeah, so you it's going to come from it, being seasoned. You could have said it differently in a bad way. I could have been like, hi, this is Anna with room with patients Come now. in Come room in. 12. They're in AFib. Okay. What rate? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not enough information. Like you'd be like, okay, well they're in AFib. You're like, okay. Oh, like, it's rapid. <laughs> you're like, okay, they're in rapid AFib. Then the next question is like, are they conscious? Like, are they mentating? Are they stable? Like that's a, that's a, the next question a provider would probably ask is, are they stable? And do you know what the definition of stable is, right? What, what defines stable as a new grad nurse? To yeah. me, stable means you have adequate perfusion. Your blood pressure is high enough. They're able to mentate and perfuse everything. It's like a, a blood pressure compatible with life. Yep. They're stable, but it's urgent because the blood pressure is soft. We yeah. are going like, what would you like me to do first? Right. I think that's a really reasonable way to approach that conversation. And that's something that you're definitely going to come across. Yeah. And then the membership, we do have, we have a new to ICU membership where we have a lot of case studies where you can tease this out. So you can be like, okay, well, this is the patient presentation. What are you going to do first and why? And how are you going to tell the provider? Because right. like that is something that it does take practice to like kind of get a ha handle Definitely. on. So then let's say you've got a patient who's like not super compatible with life when you first walk in there. You can A, hit the code bell it, or like the rapid. A lot of times in ICUs, they don't use those. Like a lot of times, like the classic, can I get some help in here? Like is a lot of places I've worked, that's what they do. They just like yell for people to come in or you can make a phone call. And then at that point, that's kind of where you should be like, in my opinion, you'd be like, hey, this is Anna with room 12. They're unstable. I'm like in here. Can you come take a look at the patient? Yeah. yeah. I think again, it depends on the spectrum of how urgent. urgent, like, so if you walk in and your patient's like literally has no pulse, please hit the code bell please yeah. hit the code bell please do not shout into the hall because that's just going to delay care wait, it's, yeah, wait, it's not going to get enough people there quick enough like if it's really that bad hit, hit the, the code, code bell. bell yeah but if you are like seeing like oh like mrs jones oh gosh her blood pressure is in like the 60s over 40 you, you shake her she wakes up like you're like okay like yeah you can you can shout for help at that point like right. she's stable enough for you to you know grab the people in the hallway you don't need the whole unit in there you need probably three people yeah so you know just like knowing the different levels of care and how to escalate it appropriately and that circles back to like you know we kind of yeah. address it like in person versus calling but like 
when do you use those texting services? Like right. we have Curator at my job, which it, and, uh, and Anna mentioned like, like Secure Chat with Epic or something. Yeah, like that. I, yeah. I, it's like there's all these different apps for that, but like these secure texting apps where you can like text page different people. So like when do you text page versus call versus like grab a human? Like that's like kind of hard, I think, for a new grad to figure out. Yeah, it kind of circles back to like the levels of urgency. So like for the ID consult who's slightly tweaking the antibiotics dosage, I might text page. I'm them. down with the text page. For yeah, that. I would yeah. text them on Epic Chat, Secure Chat, whatever. Like, because like while antibiotic timing is really important, I don't really know for this transplant patient what the correct dose is and the infectious disease guy is gonna have to figure it out. Like, and he can tell me when he figures that out. Or, yeah. And then like, you can text him to circle him in and then, or her or them, you can text whoever. And then that's not a life or death thing in that exact moment. Right. Versus right. like the conversation with the intensive on the unit about like making a plan for fluids versus diuretics. I would say complex conversations, if you can have them in person, they're better. Yeah. Complex things, right? So like nuances about like, should we escalate to end of life care? Like, yeah. should we get a palliative care consult in? Can we have a family meeting? Mm -hmm. um, like, what do you think about this? I don't, you know, can you teach me something? Like, can right. you teach me something conversations or in-person conversations? Yeah. Those types of things. But if it's like urgent, at like what's gonna get the person there faster? Well, if the person's right in the hall, yeah, okay, grab them. But if you don't know where they are, yeah, call, hey, can you come see this patient? I think yeah. that's really like the move. Yeah, absolutely. And then as you learn as a new grad, as you go through, you'll learn to be like proactive versus reactive with like even orders that apply to your patient about like, okay, yeah, you come in, you check your orders in the morning, you see it's a patient who's gonna downgrade. I have a list of things that I wanna talk to the provider about before rounds or like, or during rounds where I'm like, okay, can we discontinue the A line, the central line? Can we pull this off? Do you want a diuresis, hold the Foley? Like all those things, like you can have a little conversation about so you can check off all those things as like a, but that's like with the team. Have You're, you ever worked somewhere where you were allowed to discontinue your own orders to a yeah. certain degree? Yeah, I, used to, I remember doing that. Like we would DC our own orders for like routine stuff. Like we example were of like, to. okay, so like the CHG that you do the mouthwash when they're intubated. Oh, like so they're extubated now, you can DC the CHG. Yeah, they're yes. extubated, they don't need the- And you put in like a reason and then it gets approved by a pharmacy yeah, or like cosine or whatever. It's like, okay, they don't need the yeah. intubated mouthwash anymore. They're right. extubated. There are yeah. certain things that as an ICU nurse you might be able to do depending on your unit. As a new grad, yeah, you just gotta learn what the unit policies are and stuff. Like yeah. if it was like a pre-talked about thing that the patient was gonna like go upstairs and they're not massively fluid overloaded, like pull the Foley. Yeah, like they're gonna go upstairs. They don't have BPH or like, it, it takes some situational awareness to know about like when yeah. is the right time to do certain things. As a new grad, that might be like a little bit above your head, but yeah. um, I would say, or at least circle back with things to talk about with the team. Like, oh, do you yeah, want right, to Yeah, things this? to talk about on yeah. morning rounds. Like have a list in the morning. So like when you look over your orders, right? like ha like start to write down a list of like questions for the day or goals for the day. Like, can we DC the Foley? Like, um, can the A-line come out? Like, are they ready for the step down? I think they might be. Like, those are things that you can just like put on your little checkbox yeah. to discuss. And then as a traveler who oftentimes, I don't know my providers usually because I'm, I float to a new unit and I'm only there for a day. I have no idea who the hospitalist is. I don't know. Like, I don't know who the intensivist is. I'm only on that unit for a day. Who's so, this guy? Yeah, who's this guy? It's not like we have like this ongoing relationship. And if you do have an ongoing relationship with your providers, that makes it easy. It makes it way easier. A lot sure. easier. Yeah. But if you are not in a place where you know your providers, commu like clear communication is even more important. It's so such that an important skill. They know that like their patient is taken care of with you and that you were clearly communicating what you think the patient needs. A leading question. A leading question. A leading question. Yeah. So with a leading question, it's okay to phrase things in a way where you're like, hey, for patient Jones, did you want to pull the A-line 
or hey for question jones did you want to maybe start a central line because i know we're going to have a lot of antibiotics and pressors going in and i have two ivs and i just wanted to check with you that's you saying hey can you start a central line for this patient but right. you're, you're quite phrasing it in such a way that it's like hey like it's palatable it? it's palatable but it's you asking for something it doesn't sound bossy um yeah. and you know again like it's a, it's unfortunate that we even have to have this conversation at all with you guys like Oh, this is how you ask for something without really asking for something so that somebody doesn't accidentally misinterpret you. But the truth of the matter is, like, because of the history of like medicine and the like healthcare hierarchy, patriarchy, and it's all that just stuff, like yeah. these systemic issues have trickled down over generations of like abusive relationships, like for everyone. Yeah. So, like, including like the doctors, like they've been victims of it too. So, like, that's like where this all comes from. Like, people right. just being very defensive. It's like almost like generational trauma. I, like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, for real. you know, like learning how to deal with a traumatized people group. Yeah. We're using language that makes people feel safe and not threatened and right. open lines of communication. So it sounds silly to like have to speak to adult professionals in a way where like you're- a subtle way. In subtle ways, like... but <laughs> it's effective and it's gonna make your life easier. So like, yeah, hey, you know, what what did you just say? You're like I was like, <laughs> hey, for, I was like, hey, for patient Jones in 27, did you want to go ahead and start diuresis for them? Like that means you yeah. think that they need to be diuresed. Yeah. But that but do you think we should like? Do you think we should consider diuresis? That's like another way to say it. And if it's like urgent, urgent, and the patient's crumping, that's where you're like, hey, for patient 27. I'm concerned about them. Can you come take a look? They're really hypertensive. That is yeah. like, get over here now. I'm concerned is like clear yeah. language. I'm concerned, blank, blank, blank. Can you come see them? Like that, That they knows should, how, they know to prioritize. They should get up and start walking at that point. Yeah. Or like wrap up what they're doing, then come And any and good professional will be happy to respond to that. And 100%. most people will. And I think you'll find a lot of success with that phrase, I'm concerned. Then for on the provider side, like they also have all this like administrative, like typing things to do. So a lot of times what you're asking for is a set of orders. So you're like, hey, for patient Jones, did you want to maybe check a BMP because we just started diuresing them or, you know, like you want to check some electrolytes or whatever. If you don't have an order set where you can just do that yourself. Right. Then they have then they can stand there and put that in in real time. And then be like, or they can be like, oh yeah, then they can do that. And they'll be like, all right, you're good to go. Because then they can just do that in the moment. Right. Um, and then for, if you're dealing with like interns and residents, then you ask it in the same way for like, but then you add more on to the end of the sentence so that they like make sure that you are like over communicating where you're coming from so that they can kind of grasp it. Yeah. If they're new to yeah. your unit, they're like floating through, they've never been there before. First yeah. year intern. You might want to say things like, Hey, like just, you know, in this situation in the past, this is what we've done, or this is what we usually do. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with that? Would you be able to put in this order? Like just being really super clear, like, yeah. you know, this is like, our norm and this is why and could you please do this um that goes a long way and you're helping them out because they are rotating through so many different specialties that are all they like all really have their different. own yeah they all have their own nuances and order sets and like different things like i remember it really surprised me one day when one of our residents said to me well what is your normal pain order set here and i realized i'm like oh the post-op cardiac surgery patient is going to have a completely different pain order set than the last rotation he was just on like it was 100%. such a it was such an eye-opening question to me because it was so simple and i'm like oh Oh yeah, like obviously our patients don't have the same order sets as and all then, the other like, patients. You know? Knowing the flow of their year too. Like so they, if they start July 1st and you know that this is their first or second rotation, being like kind and then you can also like say like start over explaining things but without being like don't be condescending. 
And it's also okay to be like, hi, like, nice to meet you. My name's Anna. Like, what rotation is this for you? And then they're like, okay, this is my like second or third month being here. And then you'd be like, okay, cool. So for patient Jones, uh, I know you're covering them. Would you be able to throw on some pain medications for them? This is what they usually get here. And then like, or I think that's even perfect. phrasing it in a way of like, oh, well, you might already know this, but with like this surgeon, their order sets are usually they like X, Y, and Z pain medication. Oh, I love that phrase. You might already know this. I'm just yeah. covering my bases. Or you might already know this. Just stay on the same page. I yeah. love saying stuff like that. Another thing I like to do, so this is like yeah. really important communication for me as a CRNA, and I think this is very similar for people who are new to any environment, including totally. new grads or travel nurses, is introductions with names and roles. So whenever I walk into an OR, I say good morning to the circulator, to the scrub tech or yeah. scrub nurse. I say good morning to um, you know the resident, the med student, the attending surgeon, and every single day, hey, you know we haven't worked together in a while. Could you remind me of your name? Oh my gosh, that's right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm Chrissy. I'm the nurse anesthetist today um if there's anything special that you like like for this case i haven't done it in a while can you just let me know oh my gosh the okay. lines are wide open proactive it is friendly so it sets the tone but, so then 30 minutes later if something gets starts to go bad they're less likely to snap at you because you already had that oh they, they never do it works every time yeah you know? that, and then that's really also does. like showing that you're like good at communication and that you care that you're gonna take care of the patient in the way that you know is best for the team yeah and, like and especially if there like are preferences for a case that you haven't done in a while like sure. that i do great. hundreds of types of cases like it's very you know yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me if you know i go into this happened to me a few months ago i went into a case and i had to give fluorescent and i just couldn't remember the dose like i only give this one drug in this one specific case like Super once a year yeah. i didn't remember the dose, the dose so i called like three people to figure it out but like yeah. I, I so i spoke to the surgeon i was like i'm so sorry i have not done this in so long i'm just gonna take a minute to call and find out the correct dose before i give it and yeah. that was it that was the end of the conversation so you can even just establishing it. roles and names yeah and you can even a, a phrase it in a way and i think as women we tend to do this a lot like which totally could have been like absolutely appropriate but i think as women a lot of times we apologize for things that are just like like it and it, like instead of being like oh i'm sorry you could be like hey just checking in I'm gonna make some phone calls because I haven't done this in a while and I'm gonna find out the dose. Like, yeah. so you're not it's always- It's a little like, bit more time sensitive in the OR in this specific case, which true. is why it's like- You'd be like, like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, the surgeon sure. wants it that second to shoot the dice. You'd be like, like, oh, sorry, sorry. now, like, 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 oh, yeah. yeah then that, that, then, that is an apologize moment. Then an apologize but, is appropriate. But yes, but don't, as a new grad, don't be like, don't apologize I'm sorry, hi, sorry, hi, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Don't like yeah. apologize for existing or asking questions. But that was appropriate, totally. And I didn't understand the context of it. Which is fine. Totally. And, but yeah, I mean, like, for sure. And as a new grad, you're going to just like run into so much of that, like the over apologizing, like the wanting to be overly wordy, word vomit, like try to write your thoughts down ahead of time. Try to take a deep breath. Try to recognize that like you really do belong here. Belong you really here. are a professional. Yep. You're stepping into that role. It's new for you, but like you're going to get there. And just remember that like everyone else is on different stages of that same exact journey. Yep. So giving lots of grace to nursing students, giving lots of grace to interns, med students, residents, like they're all on the same journey you are. Yep. We're all figuring this out together. And if you can just be clear and kind and again, establish roles and names early, you're going to establish relationships and your communication is going to be so much better. That goes for everybody on the team. Your life okay. is going to be so much better when you are the new grad nurse who introduces themselves to the critical care pharmacist and Absolutely. the dietitian 
and whoever med student is there and the respiratory therapist and the RT student. Like, Even the scary surgeon. If you're friendly and also position yourself as a learner, because that's what you are. You don't know everything you just got here, but you're a learner and if you're a clear communicator and you're pleasant and you take people's feedback, like for the most part, you're going to learn so quickly and just be a sponge and like soak it all up. Yeah. So, and people will know that they can trust you. And I think that's probably the number one thing. Like, yeah. They want to know if they can trust you or not. And once yeah. you've kind of proven that with good communication skills, yep. you're going to be good to go. And at the end of the day, you don't have to know everything. You need to be a good communicator. Yeah. You need to know when to ask questions and you need to like soak up feedback and all this information from providers, from charge nurses, from respiratory therapists. Oh my gosh, we should make a podcast about respiratory therapists. Oh, I got a lot to say about respiratory therapy in a good yes, way. In a very um, good way. I was a fake respiratory therapist for a while during COVID. Oh, during Woo! COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Me and RT, we're like this now. We're besties. <laughs> He's in a pod. So I think that wraps up this one. Please comment what you want us to talk about because we yeah. are, I'm really enjoying this kind of like the human and like communication side of nursing. Definitely. Podcast stuff. So let us know what you'd like to hear from us. And please subscribe, follow along, um, check out Anna on her socials. She's Anna, oh, you're Anna Reese. Reese is, Anna Reese yeah. is on Instagram. And then Reese is And she's Reese's Reese RN on TikTok. Yeah. And what are you on YouTube? Anna oh. Reese. So she has a personal channel as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Chrissy CRNA on TikTok and Instagram. No personal YouTube yet, but Maybe we'll get there if you guys uh, comment what you want me to talk about. And you know, above all else, uh, we are here to support you, especially the new grads. We have a special place in our heart for that because I think we both had such a similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you are looking for more uh, information about specifics, getting into specific case studies, yeah. Um, you know, vent settings, drips, sepsis, ARDS, all like the nitty gritty details and you are enjoying our discussion style, teaching style. That is what the new to ICU membership is all about. We have monthly lectures, monthly live Q and A's where we're going to get into case studies and then lots of bonus resources that we pop out along the way yep. whenever we feel that it's on theme for the month. Yeah. So thanks guys. All right. See you next time. Bye.